Join us for an inspiring episode as my guest, a mental health advocate, shares her journey of gratitude, joy, and transformation. Discover the power of practicing gratitude, finding joy in small moments, and leaving a positive legacy. Get motivated to make a difference and find joy in your own journey by tuning in now. Welcome to Empowering Time Markers, the podcast where we share inspiring stories, empower listeners with business tips, and create connections. I'm your host, Tia Bottom, and I'm thrilled to have you join us on this journey of growth and empowerment. Our guest today is a mental health advocate, best-selling author, founder of Living in Gratitude Today, and number one gratitude gangsta. One day, someone asked her when she started practicing gratitude, and she realized she has done it her entire life which led to her creating the Living in Gratitude Today movement. Please welcome Vismaya Rubin. Hello. I, Tell me your story. Back to 2013. I remember I'd just gone to the doctor for whatever reason. And she's, you have to have a Facebook group for your gratitude stuff. So I opened up a Facebook group called Living in Gratitude Today. I was posting motivational stuff. The day before Thanksgiving, I got a phone call that my mother had gone into the hospital. I had a whole big cursing session because I came from divorced parents and I had Thanksgiving set up. I was going to spend the morning with my mother and her best friend. We were going to have lunch. And then I was going to see my uncle, my mom's brother, and hang out with her, him and my ex-stepdad and do like a mid-afternoon thing there. And then in the evening, I was going to spend time with my dad and my stepmom and my brothers and the rest of my family. What do I do? And I remember having this conversation in my head going, you need to write something down that you're grateful for on this Facebook group, but you have nothing to be grateful for. Are you kidding me? You need to in inspire your people, but you have nothing to say because your life is a wreck. And I finally said, stop. And I remembered a quote I heard by Robert Evans, and it was a quote that absolutely changed my life. And he says, gratitude is an effortful state to create and maintain. It is not for the intellectually lethargic. And I'll say that again because it's such a, a powerful quote. Gratitude is an effortful state to create and maintain. It is not for the intellectually lethargic. So I sat in front of my computer and I came up with a list of like 30 things that happened within the past couple of weeks. Because I think it's important that when we practice gratitude, we look for things that happen very close to the time that we're talking about. So within the day, I knew that I was writing a bigger blog, my Facebook post, and I wanted it to be a little bit longer. I was looking at things like throughout the month, throughout the year, like my uncle would send an email every Friday night with this little Shabbat message, or my dad would send me a text and he was completely technology illiterate. So for him to send a text, it was like, woohoo, or one of my students did something remarkable. They were the things that really lit my soul on fire. And when I was remembering that, I was remembering like the feelings that I got as I was going back and remembering those little moments. And I was like, well, those are my gratitude wits. It, it was the power of sitting down and just having that, the quote of reminding myself that the gratitude is an effortful state to create and maintain. It's not for the intellectually lethargic. And it's not about sitting down and just repeating a rote gratitude list. It's doing the work. And that started my mission of spreading this powerful practice because you'll never hear me talk about gratitude as an attitude. It's a practice. And I think that's one of the things that people make a, 
a mistake or they're like, oh, gratitude doesn't work. It works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. But if you wake up every day and you repeat a gratitude list, I can breathe. I have a roof over my head. I'm happy I have food. I'm happy I have a cell phone. Those are wonderful things, but that does not shift the neural pathways in your brain to start to find those magical moments, or I call them my gratitude wins that happen on a regular basis. What that does is it allows you, if you're having a, a bad moment, a um, panic attack, or that will interrupt a negative thought pattern. Stop your thoughts. Everything is falling apart. I got a big bill. Wait a minute. You have a roof over your head. So repeating the road gratitude list has its purpose. But the reason that gratitude is not working for people is because they're constantly focused on the list versus what's happening in the here and now. Fast forward, and I remember the beginning of 2013, in 2013, on Valentine's Day, my dad had part of his lottery move. Two days later, my cousin called me. Her husband was killed. Three days later, or three weeks later, my mother went into the hospital. She had a stroke. And then right around that time, my aunt went into the hospital and we knew she wasn't coming out. But because of practicing gratitude, I was able to find these magical moments inside all of this trauma. One of the most profound moments for me was my aunt was in the hospital and my cousin was there. That was her son. My uncle was there, her, her high school sweetheart. She asked everybody to leave the room and she asked me to stay. She says, can you help me with my bedpan? And I didn't think anything of it. I helped her with her bedpan. I remember driving home that day. The hospital to my house was like a 45 minute drive. I was on I-95. It was raining. I had to pull over because what I realized in that moment was without saying it, what my aunt had said to me was, I love you and I trust you. That was a huge win for me. That was a huge gratitude win for me. And what I started to realize is that when I consciously look for those moments, even in the middle of trauma and tragedy and sadness, I'm able to find them. And I was sharing with a friend, I'm like, oh, these things happen. And she was like, I'm not going to be near you anymore. I'm like, why? She's because all that's happening to you is all these bad things. Yes, I shared with you the overview, all the magical moments. And she's like, you're right. Even in times of sadness and sorrow and grief, we still can practice gratitude. It is so beautiful. I was gearing up and you started talking about the bedpan. I knew it. Thank you for sharing that with me. Let me shift gears a little bit. Can you tell me <laughs> this story about why are you called the gangster? The gratitude gangster. What? Yeah. When I first started to say I'm a gratitude gangster, people were very offended. Like, how can you say that? It doesn't go with gratitude. Call yourself a gratitude goddess, a groomer. And I was like, no. I was a high school teacher in inner city Miami for 20 years. I taught a math class. I taught character development, which was my favorite. I created curriculum around the seven habits of highly effective teens. I taught a nonviolence class. Um, I was the peer counselor teacher for a year. So all of that inner work was my passion. So my last couple of years teaching, they came up to me and I said, oh, we're not going to do the freshman experience, which was my character development class anymore. You need to teach writing. And I was fuming. I said, okay, you want me to teach writing, but I'm still going to give my own flair. The first year I had to get them ready for the, the test, it was writing, but then they changed it to evidence-based writing, which was better. So I had them do a lot of research on gratitude and we would keep gratitude charts. So the beginning of the year, I would say to my kids, you're going to have to come up with 20 things that you're grateful for every month, write them down on the list. And that's how you're going to be graded. And even ninth graders, they looked at me like I had lost my mind. I could hear them go, 
she's crazy. She doesn't know anything about my life. And I was like, that's the assignment. This is how it goes. They would turn in their charts, leave me little notes, or come up to me excited to turn it in. And what really started to happen was their paradigm of their life shifted. Nothing else in their life shifted. They were still at the same school, still at the same parents, still in the same house. But how they saw their life, how they saw their home, how they saw their family and friends completely shifted. It was towards the end of the year, it was around April. I had just read with my 10th graders at the time, I had just read two stories about gang leaders who had gotten into gangs, gotten out of gangs, and were sitting in a circle. And I posed the question, why would people want to be in a gang? And one of my kids looked at me, Alex, and says, Miss, we're in a gang. I'm like, okay, tell me more. He's, man, we're gratitude gangsters. And he looks at me and he's, we walk around and go, I like your shirt. And I like your hat. And I like your shoes. And this kid, William, is on the other side of the room. He's, yeah, and he's chiming in. And they're bouncing off each other. And then Alex looks at me and goes, and we carry guns. I'm like, no, just miss, come on. The guns and have the flare, the flares that come out. He goes, ours say thank you. And in that moment, my heart melted because what I realized was that these 10th graders who fought me in the beginning, these kids who fought me in the beginning about keeping a, a gratitude chart understood the power of a practice. So that's where gratitude gangster comes from. So when people give me slack about it, I'm like, hear the story. And then if you still don't like it, you don't have to say that. But that's how I choose to be called because it was really cool. I want to cry over everything that you say. Girl, I can have you cry for days. True facts. So I love how many people you have touched and changed their lives. And you just keep going. It's amazing. It's important for me. We talked offline a little bit about legacy. That is my legacy. I've been to so many funerals and I've listened to people and heard things people say about people who have passed away. And on Judaism, there's a quote, if you save a life, you save a generation. I'm a quote, if I can touch one person, I have touched that entire generation. That's beautiful too. Tell me more about what got you into teaching. That was funny. Um, I graduated with a, a bachelor's in international studies and a minor in Spanish. I never had an intention to teach. I wanted to go to law school, but I don't do well on standardized tests. I graduated a semester early. I went home. My mother found me a job. She goes, oh, I found you a job. You're going to go work on a cruise ship. I go work on a cruise ship. I do my thing. I come off the cruise ship. Hurricane Andrew happened. Blew everything up. Fast forward, I was doing sales jobs and making really good money for somebody my age. I was making really good money. And I don't know how or, or what happened, but somebody was like, why don't you substitute teach on why you're waiting to get into law school? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I don't want to be a teacher. There's no way in hell I'm going to be a teacher. The teachers don't get paid anything. They're not respected. I'm not doing it. So I go into my, I have two younger brothers that happen to be at a high school close to where I live. And I went to sub at their school and I subbed a math class. And all I kept hearing was, oh, my God, you're better than our math teacher. You should be a math teacher. So I wasn't getting into the law schools that I wanted to because my LSAT scores were not high. And I called a cousin who was a nuclear physicist. He says, go back to school, get your teaching certificate. You do it in the meantime while you're applying to law school. You have two choices. In two years, if you do nothing, you're going to be in the same spot. But if you go get the, the certificate, you're going to be two steps ahead. I went back to school. I ended up starting to teach at the school where one of my brothers was. He was in ninth grade at the time. And, at the, and I liked the school, 
but I wasn't involved with teaching. It was okay. It was a little bit of a struggle. Then they called me in the office. We're not sure we're able to keep you. I wasn't fired, but I was on a contingent basis as far as how many students they had. So I went on a couple of interviews that summer and I walked into one of the offices of a middle school, which I knew I never wanted to do. And they said to me, what'd you do if a kid called you a racist? I said, I would cry. That's not for us. You're not the one. I went into a high school and the principal kept saying to me, but if we hire you, and I was annoyed at this point, I'm like, if you hire me, the only thing I can promise you is that I will do my best. I walked out of the office. He calls me right back in. He's welcome to the family. And I was there for 20 years. I loved what I did. I loved teaching the character development. I loved having them see their world through new lenses. These are inner city kids. These are kids that had some stuff. But being able to shift their way of seeing what's possible for their future and owning it and being responsible for it. A couple months ago, I got a call and this kid, I had his older brother, I had his younger brother, and then he was in the middle. And his older brother was an AP student, did all the right things. His younger brother, same thing. But he was like, he didn't hear anything I said. I remember you making us read that book about being proactive and in control of our lives. And it really made a huge impact on me. And this kid is doing something with cranes and not just regular cranes, like specialized cranes. When I saw him on, on social media, all that was coming through was pure joy. He was happy with his life. He was happy with what he was doing. He was happy with his family and he was doing well. And so we got on a phone call and I was thrilled. What was supposed to be a very short time period ended up being 20 years. That's amazing. How many... I'm sure you're going to get more and more phone calls throughout your life of people that you've impacted. Do you see it that way? I do. And what I get to work on is I look forward to those calls. When you teach, you don't know the impact of what you have on people. You don't know if one word you said made a difference in the right way or the wrong way. And I always hope that my words did something for them. I hope they get that everything that was taught in my classroom was because I'd have pure love for them. I wanted them to elevate themselves because I didn't want living in an inner city or coming from a broken family or having a dad in jail or whatever other excuse to be the trajectory of their life. We have power to change. We just have to shift that mindset. I love this because it's almost full circle. The full circle moment about how you listened, how you were impacted by just substituting kids that sparked something in you said, oh. I wish you were my teacher. That sparked something in you. And then your uncle helping you like, just do it. Those small things that have happened were huge moments. All of the moments that you've had with people in your entire life. It's amazing. I can't even imagine how much impact you've done that we've all done. You are the testament of doing good and being in gratitude. You live it. I just was reminded when you were talking, the Jewish holidays just passed and there's a Yom Kippur where we ask for forgiveness for our sins and we do what's called a Vidui and it's a, a, a prayer of where we confess our sins. But the rabbi was talking this year about a positive Vidui and I started to do this with my family. They hate it. But let's do some positive confessions. What good things have we done? I believe that sometimes it's hard to understand and to accept that we've done some really great things. That's why when I talk about gratitude, I've always added an I component because I think it's important to recognize the great things they do on a regular basis for themselves or for others. The way the rabbi suggested is that the Dewey is um, in Hebrew. 
And each letter represents a different transgression or sin that we could have done. She went on to chat GPT. It was very funny about it. You did a positive do We have all the potential things we could have done. At the end of the month, go back and take a look at what are some of the good deeds that you've done, because it's really, it's not only great to see if feel good, but it's empowering because it boosts your self-esteem. It's a great motivator. It keeps you on track of doing all these wonderful things. When you want to beat yourself up, you're like, look at all these wonderful things I did. You can't beat up a person who's done all these great things. It's not coming from ego base. It's coming from a place of compassion and self-love. I love that. <laughs> You're very funny. I love looking through your social media and website. I'm told that when I tell stories. I like to tell stories. You Thank a, you. You have a great a, sense of humor. I very much enjoyed watching the things you do. Can you tell me about your t-shirts? It's like a revolution to me. So that's also a funny story. So I went to, I don't even know these things existed. So I have these memory bags and I had created them so that when you go to a funeral, that you could write down all the things you loved about something. I think a family member, when they're grieving, they don't remember everything that people say to them. So when they're written down, they can go back and look at them. And we don't know how our loved ones impact the lives of other people because we're not around all the time. So that was the whole premise of me going to this national funeral director show which i didn't even know existed so i went to the show and there were these two young girls selling shirts and they were they had cute sayings they were nice shirts but the shirts themselves were hideous they were white male or unisex shirts they were boxy and i'm like i would never buy them even if i liked the saying because i would look like a linebacker i'm curvy i got a big chest but i'm very curvy and if i wear those boxy shirts, people don't want to come near me because they're like, who's she ready to kill? So I came home and I started to ask questions and I found the perfect shirt and I was asking people, what would you like to see on it? And then I started to make the hashtag Rachel shirts. And it was incredible the response that I had from them and people would stop me and they'd high five me. What's so great? Or they would tell me what they were grateful for. I had people come up to me and hug me sometimes and say, oh, I'm so grateful. Can I hug you? It was a really beautiful response. And one of the most beautiful things is that before I stopped teaching in 2017, my principal at the time had purchased shirts for my entire classes, all of my kids. So I left and all my babies had hashtag grateful shirts. So it was pretty cool. And it's, I want people to feel pretty, not just wear a positive message. So you feel pretty, you're conveying a positive message. It reminds you to tap into that inner gratitude gangster. It has stopped me from opening my mouth and saying things to people because I look down and like hashtag grateful you cannot go and fly off the handle because you're wearing a grateful shirt and that was really the whole purpose behind it is to give some people something pretty that makes a meaning in the world and they last forever like which is a blessing and it's a curse <laughs> just got a picture of somebody who got a shirt probably when I first started them I think I started them in 2016. He's wearing the same shirt. That's the blessing and the curse. They last forever. So we have new things <laughs> coming out. <laughs> I love that. As soon as I saw it, I was like, I want one. I need one. They are beautiful. The YouTube video with all the people that have been impacted or have your shirts. Amazing. I have a group of celebrities with my shirts. Yes. How did that happen? That's a whole nother story for another time. Tell me what is your mission? So my mission is to teach people how a simple, consistent practice can completely shift 
your paradigm of what is possible in your world and how you view your world. And by taking time each day to practice gratitude, we have the ability to live magical lives. Awesome. Can I give you something I thought of? A side note thing, since you don't like the teaching word, I was thinking of give people the, the ability to achieve gratitude. Something in the, that, like, what is, what are they trying to achieve? Put it on them. So my mission is to show people to focus more on their joys and less on their oys. Because when we focus on the things that work, we attract more of those things. Energy attracts energy. What we focus on expands. So if we're focusing on joys, we're focusing on our gratitude wins, we get more magic. So that's my goal, to focus more on your joys, less on your oys. I love that. We talked about this before. Um, there's a misconception of what gratitude is and the law of attraction. So... I've been studying a lot about the law of attraction. The whole idea is that when we practice law of attraction, we can create things with our thoughts and our mind. However, running in our mind sometimes are these mean voices, nasty things being said, the anybody should committee converse, having conversations with us that don't serve us. When we practice gratitude, what we're doing is we're telling our brain, if we're practicing it versus an attitude of gratitude, we're telling our brain to look for those things on a regular basis that bring us joy. The questions that I tell my people to ask are, who or what made a difference for me? Because you've heard me talk about wins a lot. Who or what made a difference for me? What did I do for myself or others? Because we need to add in that component of self. And that's what separates me from other gratitude speakers or coaches. When we look at the things that we do for ourselves and others, it builds our self-esteem. It motivates us to keep going. It's good for our, our mental health. And then the other one is, how did I nourish my mind, body, or spirit? What made me smile or laugh until my sides hurt? The easiest way to take on this practice is grab your cell phone, set it to go off every three to four hours. And when it goes off, ask yourself, who or what made a difference for me? What did I do for myself or others? How did I nourish my mind, body, or spirit? What made me smile or laugh till my sides hurt? And here's the key. If nothing happened, it's the practice of doing it. And I don't have to set my alarm now. Because it happens automatically. And when we're having one of those days where everything feels like, oh my God. Remember, gratitude is an effortful state to create and maintain. It is not for the intellectually lethargic. And sometimes you have to really do the work. And sometimes it may just be, I got out of bed today. Or it may be that I did not flip somebody off. It may be I ate an apple instead of a chocolate cake. It's not these grandiose things always. It's the small little shifts that we make that make a huge difference. Oh, somebody helped the door for me. Somebody told me I look beautiful or I found a quarter, whatever it is. Sometimes it's those tiny little things that make the biggest impact. So your coaching program, is it group or do you do one-on-one? -on -one? So I have two um, different classes or programs. One is the gratitude experiment and they're both group. I'm going to change it a little bit because I really believe that there's power in the group part. So the one part is, and this is how it's going to go for both groups. Everybody gets a reminder twice a day, one to consciously create their future. And there's a whole process behind that because I really believe that if we believe that our thoughts create our reality, we have the power to create whatever it is we want. So it really sets people up for the day to consciously create the, their future of how they want their life to be. And it also reminds them to practice gratitude and be in that space of gratitude. And then everybody will be part of this one big Facebook group. And then the second component for 
the people who want the the group coaching is that there will be a component twice a week added in and they will will have live calls where we get in we'll have a conversation they'll do a short teaching and then we'll have conversation about it i beta tested it for a while and the results people have had have been really powerful. It's about being consistent with whatever we do and watching our thought. Yes. Who would be the best kind of person to join? So I, I usually work with women. Most of the time they're over 40. They're my age or older. I'm over 50. They're women who are going through a challenging time or who want to feel like there's more juice to light. They're more, they want a little more excitement. They understand that we're supposed to be grateful, but they're not really sure how to tap into the power and the magic of it. It's for women who are open to doing the work because I can't be on top of somebody constantly saying, here's what you do. I believe that we need mental health counselors. I'm not a mental health counselor. So it's for people ready to make a shift and they just don't know how. Who are ready to see the power of gratitude, but they're but they don't want a Pollyanna approach. I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm not, everything is great and good, but it's and the world is perfect. Because that's not the way it is. Some days you have to wake up and really, I don't wake up and go, yes, I'm alive. That's not my energy. I get to wake up and do the work so that I can experience those joyful, positive, wonderful moments. So it's for people who are ready to attract what they want in their life and who are ready to experience their life right now with more joy and happiness and love and really focus on the deliciousness that's in front of them or that's about to come to them. Beautiful. I love that. So tell me about your freebie. My freebie is so fun. So it can be done by yourself and it can be done with your family. And I highly recommend that if you have a family, especially if you have kids, do it with the families. It's a gratitude wins bingo. And it's set up so that you have different columns, like a regular bingo card. You can download the, you will get a bingo card. It allows you, it's a visual representation of what were your gratitude wins that week or that month, actually. So there's a for W's. You would say, who or what made a difference for me? And every time something happens, you write it down. What did I do for myself or others? How did I nourish my mind, body, or spirit? And what made me smile or laugh till my sides hurt? And then we have a free column. And I think what's really important about this visual is that if you're ready to fill in, all the W's right away. And you're ready to fill in all the S's right away. But you haven't focused on those middle two components. What did I do for myself or somebody else? Or how did I nourish my mind, body, or spirit? It's a great visual reminder. It's time for me to do something for myself. Maybe spend 15 minutes and open up a book that nourishes my soul. Or spend time outside or make myself something delicious to eat. But it gives you that visual to say, where am I focused on? Mostly, am I focused on the external? Or if we only fill out the middle two columns, you know, nobody does anything for me. Maybe we need to open our eyes a little bit and shift that paradigm. So let's actively look for what are small things that people do for us. This is so great. I love it, like sincerely. And I will definitely be getting that. So we find that. Livingingratitudestoday.com forward slash bingo. Bing. Awesome. And since you're an entrepreneur, can you share your top three tips for people that are thinking about doing that too? This is what I remind myself of still is give yourself some grace. There's always a learning curve when you're learning something new and you can either beat yourself up in the process and make it measurable, or you can give yourself grace and give yourself the time to learn it. 
you are solely relying on your income from the business and it's not coming in as quickly as you want, don't be so proud that you don't pick up a side hustle if you need to, or a side job, not a side hustle, a side job that brings you money that you're not using necessarily your brain power there. You can still focus on the business. Don't be afraid to take a, a job if you have to. It's wonderful as it, it is to learn and to hire coaches and to jump into programs. They're only as good as the work you put in. So if you're going to hire a coach, do the work. If you're going to jump into, people will jump into my gratitude experiment and they'll listen, they'll read, but they won't do the work. You have to do the work the way it was designed to do. Give yourself permission to do that and really be accountable to yourself. Like have an accountability buddy or be accountable to yourself, but, but do the work. Otherwise, why would you pay? Be accountable. If you spend the money to do something, if you enroll in a program and you found it worthwhile, do the work. If you don't see any value in it after you bought it, okay, I get it. But if you spent money, take the time to do it. Listen to your coaches. What's the purpose of having them? Why would you spend the money if you're not going to do it? I would definitely put more effort into doing what my coaches told me. Yeah, I've learned so much over the past seven years of doing this full time. I also do massage on the side, which gives me great joy and pleasure. But ultimately, I want to be traveling around the country talking about gratitude and selling gratitude swag. So good. Those are real lessons and tips because I think all of us that have been on the journey for over five years, we look back and go, you know what? I should have done this. So if you're listening, these are gold. We're going to switch gears. You ready to play a game? Let's do it. All right. So we're doing rapid fire questions. First one is, what was your first job? McDonald's. Nice. In the back or the front? The front. I was a cashier. Oh, that's way harder. It was super fun. My family would come through on the drive through and at the end of the night, I would give them food. We had McDonald's for, it was gross, but. Yeah, I, I worked at McDonald's too. And you definitely smell it when you go home. What's your favorite fashion trend ever? Oh, Lord. My favorite fashion trend. My hashtag grateful shirts. What is your biggest pet peeve? My biggest pet peeve is when people doubt themselves. When people, including myself, want to tell the same story over and over again and expect different results without doing anything differently. What's one thing you want to do this year? Travel more and fall in love. Ooh. So if anybody knows any single Jewish men, right, hook it up. What are three things on your bucket list? Three things on my bucket list. I don't really have a bucket list because I feel like I get to do what I want to do. So it always comes down to travel more. I want to. Where have you not been that you really want to go? One of the things I want is my gratitude mobile. And I want my, and, and I'm manifesting my partner to go with me and traveling all over the U.S. and going to the different national parks. I want to be in Yellowstone in springtime to see all the animals. Yeah. I love Yellowstone. It's my happy place. So I want to travel to the different national parks. I want to go to Antelope Canyon. I want to go back to Glacier and spend more time there. I want to do gratitude talks on the way. I want to have a team set up here where I can travel and they're fulfilling orders of all the products. And I'm just speaking and doing the things that I love to do. Those are so great. I think that's three. And I don't know if that's my bucket or if that's what I'm manifesting. I, I like to say that's what I'm manifesting this year. Okay. How many siblings do you have? Two. Okay. 
And what is your favorite candy or snack? So I live in South Florida. They just recently, this product has come out. Do you know what tostones are? The what? Tostones. Oh, tostones. It's a banana, but it's not like a banana we eat in the state. It's a South American Latin banana. And you have maduros, which are the sweet ones, and platanos, which are the not sweet ones. If you ever go to a Cuban grandma's house, yeah, they make this. so they would slice them and they would fry them, and then if they're tostones, they're like thicker and they're savory versus sweet. They now have a potato chip, which they always have plantain chips that you can buy, but they now have a really thick one that you can only buy in certain gas stations. And unfortunately, I know where some of them are now, which is horrible. And they come with apple, which is garlic. Oh my God, it is just divine. If I'm ever down there, I will definitely... um... I will send you some because they are so good. Great. Now I'll have an addiction and I can't get them. (laughs) Okay, you don't want to be able to get them. So what is your zodiac sign? I am a triple cancer. Whoa. Yes, I'm very emotional, very sensitive. I am the mother of the, the zodiac. Nice. What's your favorite thing about yourself? The thing about myself. My sense of adventure. And when I love, I love. Like you asked me about my brothers and it was funny because it was like two and then we moved on and I wanted to say like, I have the best, most amazing. They're two of the most fabulous human beings. And I am so grateful that they're mine, even though there are days I'd like choke them or poke them in the eye. But I am so grateful that they're my brothers. Awesome. And the last one is, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? couple that I live by. Don't let people run space in your head. This too shall pass. And like my cousin said, do it. And in two years, you'll be two steps ahead. If you don't do it, you'll still be in the same place wishing that you had. Those are great. (laughs) Thank you for playing my game. Tell me what legacy means to you. And what role does it play in your life? Legacy means what is it that I am leaving behind? How am I touching others to make their life better, more fun, more delicious, more powerful, more impactful? So my legacy is how am I showing people how to do that? How to make, it's not just me doing it for them because I'm not, you know, I don't have that much power, but how can I give people the tools to make their life more delicious, more powerful, more impactful? They're living their dreams. I think that's my mission. That's one of the things that I love so much about teaching is that I got to make my mark on so many different people. So legacy, what can we leave behind for future generations? Because going back to the Talmudic quote, when you touch a life or when you save a life, you save a generation. When you touch a life, you touch a generation. So beautiful. And the last one is, how are you marking this time in your life? Right now, my word for the year is unrecognizable. My goal for 2023-2024 is to release limiting belief, let go of things that no longer serve me, conversations that no longer serve me, people that no longer serve me, so that I can truly live my mission, my passion, which is to travel and make the world a better place. What a beautiful life, a beautiful sentiment. You are a pillar of hope, of gratitude, and I know there's so many big things coming for you and thank you for letting me be part of that path and for sharing you with us. So thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure.
What a great conversation with Vismaya, exploring the importance of gratitude, joy, and leaving a positive legacy. Her inspiring story serves as a reminder to practice gratitude, find joy in the little moments, and strive to make a difference in the world. Please be sure to come back and leave in the comments how much the bingo really impacted your life over the next month. And tune in next week for more inspiring stories. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Empowering Time Markers. We hope you found inspiration, gained valuable insights, and connected with our incredible guests. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and helps us continue to bring you empowering content. And remember, the journey doesn't end here. Stay connected with us on social media, where we'll be sharing additional resources, behind-the-scenes content, and updates on upcoming episodes. Thank you for joining us on this empowering journey. Together, let's continue to make our mark on the world one moment at a time. Until then, keep empowering yourself and others. This is Tia Bottom signing off from Empowering Time Markers.